Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Welcome to the Bleachers. I am Jeff Blum, 14-year Major League veteran. Whoa, I just created an earthquake here. If you're watching us on YouTube on the Bleacher Blums channel, I just kicked my almost kicked my entire studio over right here. This is all I've got. On the road again. Uh, this will be this will be the last podcast I do on the road. Every other podcast will be from my home studio in Houston, Texas, which nice. uh, I cannot wait to get back to because even as much fun as the road has been, I am ready to get back home and get around the family and hang out a little bit. My co-host is out there on the West Coast. He is consistently in his home studio out there in Southern California. He is currently stuffing his face, so I'm going to try and drag out this open as long as I possibly can because me being on the East Coast, you say something? You don't have to. You don't have to drag it out. All right, take it. chomp. No, I'm, I'm just, just saying that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll continue to eat and talk. I don't, you know me. Do you like it? Okay, Tuttle, when you're on the phone, do you like, and more often than not, I'm always talking to my wife, but when she is eating on the phone, it's like, okay, can you, can you stop? You know, it's, it, you know, I'm trying to understand and engage in conversation, but you're sitting there gnawing on a chip or a sandwich or something like that. How are you on the phone if somebody's eating on the other end? If you called me and I started to eat lunch, how would you feel about it? You know, it really wouldn't bother me. It depends on the type of conversation. My mom, my mom has two things. Sorry, you just threw Corey under the bus. I'm about to throw my mom under the bus. Hi, mom. Yeah, she doesn't listen. Yeah, that's all right. Hi, mom. <laughs> Do I have the cardboard sign? So Hi, my Mrs. mom Tuttle. is, yeah, there you go. So, you know, she's just an active person. She's always doing something. And so if I catch her, this is funny. So I typically call her and she'll be like, oh, honey, I'm in line at the grocery store. Can I call you back? That's her. I'm like, yep. yeah. Don't pick up. Like you're I'm fine if you don't pick up. Like I you know, it's not an emergency. Don't bother. Send me yeah, the voice like why, yeah, just let it go and I'll be fine with that instead of like, oh, I'm in line at the grocery store. The checker's actually, you know, scanning my eggs. You're like, that's fine. You didn't have to pick up. It wasn't an emergency. But I do like that she's attentive there. When she's home, I'm like, what is that noise? She goes, oh, yeah, I was just, you know, filing my nails. Oh, I was just putting the wash in the dryer. I was like, and it's funny with these headphones, they're really good. The the AirPods, mm-hmm. if you're talking to someone and they're in like Starbucks or they're crowded, I mean, I know you've dealt with this before, they don't pick up voices. So it's really actually a pretty good sound. But if you're opening a bag of chips or if you're eating, oh, like man. it picks up, it picks up every crinkle, every it sounds like somebody's song your ear off. So I tell hundred percent. So, so this goes back to answer your question. Yes. Yeah, so my mom, I'm like, mom, why don't I call you later when you're not so busy because whatever you're doing is driving me up the wall. So yes, <laughs> as as I say this, I'm stuffing my face on a podcast so we hope we get tons of listeners to you. Yeah, that's, that's okay because you can go to the YouTube channel, like we said, Bleacher Blums, check us out there. Or you can go to Instagram and Twitter, check out at Bleacher Blums. Get all the latest updates, get some cool videos, maybe even a couple of hot shots from us, uh, you know, making some hot takes on our podcast. And of course, you can reach Tuttle on Instagram and on Twitter at Real David Tuttle. You've been a little more active recently, which has been good. Trying. Like how I did that mid-bite. And you can also get uh, myself, Blummer, at Blummer27 on Instagram and on uh, Twitter. And if you haven't gone to Instagram, go check it out because I just picked up my second Emmy 
We won for best live broadcast, uh, myself, Julia TK, and our producer, Carl Patterson. So, oh, yeah, uh, way to go again. We got our second one. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. We got to clear the. Uh, You're going to need p- physical therapy. I mean, you do not. You're a very self deprecating and humble gentleman. But you're going to need PT because every year we pat ourselves on the back. You pat yourself on the back for the Emmy. And if, gosh, you won two in a row. If you win three in a row, four in a row, I mean, good oh, grief. Man. Your arm's going to be camera, so sore. I'm going to have to get a wide-angle camera <laughs> for my head. That's pretty impressive, though. I mean, I think it's funny. I don't know if it's a niche thing, and I know we're going to get into what's on tap. But, I mean, congratulations on winning another Emmy. I mean, Thank I don't you. know what the competition is like there in the Houston market and how the voting goes, but I think it's all the state you, of Texas. Well, there you go. So you're beating the the Southern Oklahoma, you know, people up there, and you're beating the well played, my friend. Ooh, you listen, you. nice. But you, I, I guess the question is, I think once you get in the niche, you hear this about, um, I don't know, some of the big sportscasters talking about losing out to Bob Costas every year. It's like his award to lose <laughs> or something. But I mean, maybe this has become your award to lose, and that's a fantastic place to be. Not that it's not earned, but it's like, hey, just gonna put a you gotta, hold on this thing. You gotta knock us off the mantle if you wanna come, you know, you gotta come take this thing. We're not just gonna give it to you. Man, you were all about Texas today. Come and take it. Let's go. <laughs> I appreciate the heck out of that. And, yeah, there you go. Yeah. You're repping. Uh, but yeah, What's on Tap brought to you by St. Arnold. Uh, man, w- fantasy football. As excited as I was the last two or three years, I am not that excited this season because both Tuttle and I are, are bringing up the caboose in our league. I know you're in a couple of leagues, Tuttle, but the league that we are in uh, the, the same league as, uh, I, I'm, I'm taking it. The important one. Yeah, I'm taking it uh, ra- rather healthily to the chin on, on a two weeks now. Uh, my, as much as I bragged about my team scoring over hundred points last week and, and losing by two and a half points, I got absolutely boat raced in this one. I was in the rooster tail of some speedboat going by me and I didn't even get to 90 points. Uh, so I'm in panic mode. I've got another, man, I don't know how many waiver wire claims I have right now, but I'm listening to every, uh, fantasy football podcast. Uh, I'm trying to pick up every waiver guy and I'm still desperately hoping that my guys perform. But Tuttle lost also, so we'll talk a little bit about that. The American League East is very interesting, and that's where I, that's where I'm at right now in Tampa Bay. And then not a collapse unless they lose. I think that Tuttle has a little something in store for us when we talk about on tap. Brought to you by Saint Arnold, and of course, last night was a beautiful night. The Astros won the American League West again. Five out of six years they've won that championship, and then. I believe you're talking about Eli Manning going undercover, so stay tuned for that. But Tuttle, what is going on this week? I know I want to ask how you are doing personally before I get into how is your fantasy football hmm. situation going. Well, how are you doing, dude? I'm doing well, man. We're doing well. Um, everybody's healthy. Everyone's back in school. The routine <laughs> is kind of set. You got to like the routine. I, I just like that. And you're about to kind of yes. start a nice off-season routine and get some time with the family. Um, yeah, no, everything's going great. I, I was really looking forward to the podcast today. Um, as you mentioned, the fantasy football thing is really interesting and really I should stick to the league that we're in together because the other league is, you know, it's just counter to what I'm doing. The scoring's a little different and whether I win that league or not, nobody cares. You and I are both struggling in our league. Um, but you know, no panic. There's no panic over here. There sounds like there's a little panic in your voice. So I, I'm feeling pretty good. I don't have any waiver claims in yet, and I think I want to try and eliminate 
a lot of the noise around, you know, the panic button. But I guess if you're owing to it, when I'm owing three next week and I'm pulling my hair out, then we can uh, we can have another tete a tete about that. What's uh, how are you doing as well? I mean, are you doing well? I'm doing great. No, I, I am. This is the last road trip of the year. So personally, my family is excited about it. They're counting down the days until I can get back home. And like you said, get into the routine. I've got one of my triplets playing varsity volleyball, so I can't wait to get back into the Tuesday-Friday routine of watching volleyball and getting engaged nice. in that sense, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, just got back from Arkansas and got to hang out with my oldest daughter. She's absolutely thriving. And I'm not sure why, but Maybe it's a combination of going up to the University of Arkansas, which I had no idea was in such a beautiful area. Campus is great. Uh, Bentonville, just north of there, is a great place. But seeing seeing one of your siblings, siblings, one of your one of your offspring, do so well and really enjoy and engage in the college lifestyle and get good grades and and enjoy what's going on, I think makes makes that trip that much better. So I'm absolutely in love with uh, University of Arkansas and how my daughter's doing. So when you get to that point, I can't wait to see the reaction on your face when you see, yeah. you know, your son thriving or your twin daughters thriving. You know, it's such a joy to just be around them and just kind of sit back and you kind of have that old man, you know, that old man sit yeah. where you kind of lean back and you kind of go, give it give it that, you know, that, that beer commercial head nod from the porch where you're yeah. like, this is okay. I can handle this, you know. So it's kind of fun, and uh, nice. got to go up there. But yeah, the season's winding down, and I'm in. I'm in a good place right now. I'm in a really good place. I'm glad the Astros won. I'm glad our broadcast is being uh, recognized. And you know, it, you talk about panic on fantasy football because I'm like, I don't know why I'm uber competitive in this sense, but you kind of bring it back to reality. I had two guys on the shelf. I had Alvin Kamara go down with an injury, and then I had Gabe Davis go down with an injury. So thank you for for being my my, yeah. my my sage and just kind of bringing it back a little bit. Yeah, the, and, and if everything else is going well and that's the worst thing, I mean, we have to remember fantasy yeah. football in the weirdest way is like gambling a little bit, meaning you just got to get the best guys. I, really? I was going to play Julio Jones this week because um, Tom Brady actually got him really involved in week one mm -hmm. and Godwin got hurt. And I'm like, all right, Julio Jones is going to be my savior this week. And then you wake up on Sunday and he's not even playing, which is his typical MO. And you're like, all right, it what is. the hell did I even draft him for? So, I mean, I think there's a little, obviously there's strategy and gambling in this. And, uh, you know, I lost Dak Prescott week one and went with Jared Goff this week who threw four touchdown passes. So I'm taking a sil silver lining there. I was like, this who is knew good. That? I mean, yeah. yeah, but, you know, then you have, Juju Smith and Kelsey and Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook, you know, all with less points than Jared Goff if you added them up. So I think I got the right guys, you know, around the uh, around the campfire. We just got to get them to row the boat in the right direction. But I, I'm glad that I was able to temper that. And I think when we do talk personally, it is nice to know, like, you know, if we're pulling our hair out over fantasy football, that's probably a good thing and not pulling our hair out with that's how our kids point. are assimilating to college or how the college application process is going or whatever Ugh. else is going on. So anyway, let's yeah. uh I know we had what's on tap, but let's go with the Astros first. Um, you know, you guys are winning Emmys, you know, left and right, and the Astros are winning uh AL West Championships. Winners win, right. Winners win, <laughs> Tuttle. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Winners win. I mean, you know, there was a quote for Verlander in The Athletic, I believe, and he just said, you know, 
when he wins this, like you're in this winning environment and he was part of the reason, you know, and part of the, you know, kind of foundation of creating this. I know he came mm-hmm. along maybe after you turned around hundred loss seasons and a hundred win seasons, but it's really interesting because he said the people he thinks about during the times like this are the guys he played with for six, seven, eight, nine years that never even had this opportunity, especially in Detroit, some of those guys. And I'm wondering, you know, Charles Barkley, the most famous kind of like, uh, I don't know, Hall of Fame basketball player that never won anything, you know, uh, in the in professional sports at least, and maybe in college as well. Like you personally, you know, helped your team win a world championship. I'm just wondering, yeah, winning it doesn't get old, but it certainly becomes a habit, just like we talked about chemistry. But what do you? Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think about as they start piling up these championships? No, I think you're exactly right. And I try and make this point when we're doing our broadcast because we are extremely spoiled watching the Houston Astros win five of six American League championships. And I love the way that TK phrases it too. He says five regular season American League West championships. He takes, you know, discount on that 2020 season when the Oakland A's won the title. But, uh, you know, it, it is so hard to do what they're doing. I believe there's only been two teams in the history of baseball that have been able to go to, I think, if the Astros go this year, it'll be what, five straight American League Championship Series. I think it was the Oakland A's in uh, the American League back in the 70s, and they didn't even play a division series back then. So if they won the division, it was just West and East. If they won that division, they were in the championship series. So they were extremely good back then. And then the uh, Atlanta Braves through the 90s when they just dominated everybody. But, uh, you know, if the Astros are able to do that, I think you call them a dynasty. I think you call them whatever you want. A golden era is what we keep calling it in, you know, uh, thankfully, my voice is all over this thing, which is a lot of fun, and 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 trying you know trying to understand that's a little hard to believe because these videos and these games will be replayed forever, and knowing that we have to have a chance to to put a voice to the action that's on the field is pretty impressive. But I think to your point, the fact that you know I was able to play fourteen years and I went to. Man, oh five we went to the playoffs. Oh six we went to the playoffs. 2007, we lost in game 163 with the San Diego Padres against the Colorado Rockies. That was probably the most painful uh, experience I've had. And then 2011, uh, we win the uh, National League West. So, I mean, that's four years out of 14 where you actually get to go to the playoffs. And that felt like a lot. And you're right about some of these guys. We could go through the history books and the Hall of Fame and realize guys are in the Hall of Fame with a plaque, but never played in the postseason. And just to really drive this point home and bring that West Coast vibe into it, there is a team in the major leagues, in the American League West, who finished in third third place, who has the two best, I don't even think it's an argument, the two best players in all of the game, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and they've had a total, Shohei hasn't made it yet. Mike Trout has a total of, I think, three or four at-bats in the postseason. So that kind of puts things in perspective. You can be the best in the game, get no exposure, or you have the Houston Astros that have played, I think, 79 games in the last six or seven years in the postseason. Yeah. Now, Aaron Judge uh, might only have a one-year flash here, but he might have something to say about the two, arguably two of the best guys in the game. I agree. He's doing That's a good, a great is, point. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, I mean, you got to be consistent, right? So this mm-hmm. is a kind of a, you know, one year thing, at least now. But uh, but you're absolutely right. And the playoffs, I mean, we won championships, I've mentioned before, in the minor leagues, won a couple. Yep. And that, there's, I, I don't know how to explain it to people, and I don't think you can, but 
when when everybody when you see teams celebrating it kind of brings back the memories if you have those memories and you realize so that the 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 team aspect of it is so it makes it so much deeper and so much more meaningful and you've talked a little bit about you know having a reunion in chicago with that 2005 team i mean there there are guys that you lose touch with and there are guys that you don't know as well but those 25 guys or those 30 guys or those 40 guys with the clubhouse manager and all those guys that were involved in that, you know, there's just a common thread and a common bond that just never goes away. And you've heard people say it, but it's not just lip service. It's something that that keeps you connected. And I think it's uh, it's great that the Astros are I, – I like the golden era aspect. I heard Chris Fowler interviewed this week. And he said that, you know, I guess he doesn't use a teleprompter and he's a pretty well-versed guy in how he prepares for tennis and football and all these other things he does. But he said exactly what you just said about he didn't want to, he doesn't want to overshadow the game, but he loves that he's a part of this history and is able to leave his mark as well as a broadcaster. And I think that's the kind of another little, you know, with your Emmy aside, it's a nice little piece of this in that people may remember you more as the TV analyst for the World Series champion, you know, Houston Astros than they will <laughs> as a, you know, a 14-year ball player in the big leagues. And I think that's, you know, I mean, that's saying something, but it's also talk about a career after a career. So I don't know if that was where we were intending to go in this podcast, but I think it's really uh, worth pointing out. And it's kind of something that hopefully the fans and the listeners can get a feel for, not just your mark on it, but how special this era is for the Astros and do not take winning for granted. We never did as players and you shouldn't do that as a fan either. No, you shouldn't. I want to ask you something because, you know, even in the minor leagues, I, I've won a couple of uh, AA championships like I believe you did too, Tuttle, you know, moving up the ranks. And even though the minor leagues are a little more individual, I think once you get into that championship mode and you realize your team's good enough to go out there and win, you ultimately want to win it all. And, and getting the opportunity to do that and then doing it in the big leagues, talk a little bit about, or if you remember, how how – how gratifying it is to win after playing 140 games, 150. I mean, it is such a marathon in sport for baseball to play that many games that when you do win the championship, no matter at what level, there is some, some level of gratification. Talk about that a little bit about how exhausting it actually is to get there and how good it feels. Yeah, you know, I think what what jumps to – what jumps into my mind is what we talk about consistently here, the dog days of summer. We're in there now, right? We just saw the Mets clinch. Um, you know, the Dodgers clinched a while ago. The Astros clinched. These teams are starting to slot into where they're going to be in the playoffs. And so the dog days are starting to wind down. And it reminds me of a roller coaster where you're kind of tick, 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 tick. I mean, it's kind of hard to get to the top and you're like, oh, and those are the dog days. And now when you come over, I the the one I remember specifically, we won the Texas League one year, but we won the um, Carolina League in A-ball with the Reds. And I remember it was a best of five, probably, I think. A best of five, not a best of three. Yeah, best of five game series. But we had kind of come in hot, and we won the first game or the first two games, and everything sped up. Like the dog days went away. It was like you couldn't wait to get to the field. We knew we were going to win. I mean, you got into that mode where you kind of knew you were going to win. And I don't mean knew you're going to win every inning, every game, like, hey, we're going to sweep it. But we just had so much confidence and we had trust in each other that it's so funny. It takes so long to get to that point. But those last 
couple of series, whether, you know, I think it was one or two series for us in the minor leagues, but those series fly by. I mean, that thing just goes fast. So I think the play, the postseason, I don't know if you had that same experience, you know, everything is obviously magnified, but it accelerates again and it gives you energy. So all, all of what we said before about how slow the dog days are and how dreary they are and how, how it turns into some drudgery, you are now ready for what's coming. You know, if you have to win 10, 12, 14 games to win it all, it's worth it. And you're focused every game, your energy levels up. And I think that's what I remember most is the confidence that we had in each other, the speed with which it went, like it just went so fast, but then, you know, standing at the top of the mountain, or in this case, you know, laying on the grass with a bottle of champagne or whatever it was, (laughs) is like, you know, a pretty darn good feeling. And, uh, you know, like I said already, it's something that'll never, you know, never go away. And it's really good to talk about on here because it's not something you think about every day. No, it's a beautiful thing. And it's good to reminisce on that too. And you're right. There's a reason why they call the playoffs a second season because you do get that boost. You do get that energy. You know, I love the fact that you kind of wipe all the numbers away and all of a sudden you go from, okay, I got to put up numbers, get a contract. You're worried about salaries. What's going to happen to my contract next year? And everything like that individually disappears. And all of a sudden you're looking at the guy at the right, the guy at your left, and you're going, all right, let's go. Let's go win this thing and play as hard as we can. And you are rejuvenated. All of a sudden, some of those soreness goes away a little bit because that energy and you know that adrenaline takes over and kicks into gear, and you go out there and play. But uh, I vividly remember in 2005, you know, we we win the championship and we celebrate on the field. We do our thing. You're doing interviews. But about 15 minutes after that, if you could have had a camera after all the champagne was spilled, after all the high fives were given, after the trophy had been handed around. There was a good 30 minutes where literally every guy in that on that team was sitting at their chair at their locker, kind of slouched in in admiration of what we just did. But there was a certain exhaustion because it is so mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually draining to go through something <laughs> like that. That you eventually just sat there with a beer in your hand going, whew, that yeah. just happened. That was awesome. But man, I'm freaking tired, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's the we talk about high leverage innings and high leverage situations all the time, but it's to me, it's like switched on. I mean, you have to be switched on. I mean, your role, yep. especially coming True. off the bench, like knowing you got to be ready in the seventh, eighth, you're kind of ready the whole game for this one moment. And I, I, I mean, I've said this before driving, anything like that, you can drive for 10 hours, you're exhausted. You didn't do anything physical <laughs> whatsoever, but you got to stay sharp and stay, you know, like I said, switched on. So I, I, I mean, it's, it's a feeling that I hope people get to, you know, feel, but, uh, and it's something that we don't think about every day, but it's certainly memorable and, uh, looking forward to the playoffs this year for that very reason. So why don't we take a quick break here on the blue wire podcast network and, uh, hear from our sponsors and we'll come back and we've covered fantasy football, a little championship baseball. Let's get into what the other playoffs will look like. And, uh, we'll be right back. The best way to learn a language immersion living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. 
Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, welcome back on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We have Blummer and Tuttle. Uh, at Blummer27 on both Instagram and Twitter, Jeff Blum, 14-year major leaguer, myself, David Tuttle, here on the left coast, at Real David Tuttle, Instagram and Twitter. We were talking about the Astros clinching and winning becoming old hat, but there are some new teams in the mix this year, and we have expanded playoffs, so wanted to kind of cover those teams. Both Jeff and I predicted the Blue Jays would be in the World Series. Um, as we mentioned last podcast, they need to make the playoffs to get into the World Series, I think, and I think that's going to happen, so that's good for us. Uh, I think the Rays are probably going to get in, too, so it looks like the American mm-hmm. League East is going to be heavy over there. So Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays, and then Astros... What Mariners else do we will have? Sneak in there. Mariners are going to sneak in. All right, and who yeah, else? Yeah, Cl- the that? Cleveland Guardians should be able to sneak in there. Ooh, the That'll Central. The I forgot League. about the Central. We That's all do. The they one. stink. They do stink. It's the. It was the <laughs> Twins. No, they the Twins. The Twins got the White swept. Sox. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Nice. The Twins. White your, Sox. Your boy, and the Tony Larusa. I love him. Is he still managing? Uh, I think he's upright, but I don't think he's managing. We didn't. Miguel Cairo's running the team, and they're actually pretty. Yeah. Good. Did we? Did we talk about this last time? Maybe not. Did I send you the article? No. I sent you the article. Oh, yeah. But the uh, article, yeah. I don't. I just can't Pulled remember if we up. talked about it on the podcast. But he just basically said it's time to step down. Yeah, time to step down, Tony. Dude, we knew it was time to not step in. I know, but I'm just saying now. <laughs> if you let him step in, I mean, it was a really well written article. Um, and uh, gosh, who's the guy that wrote it? Rosenthal, Ken Rosenthal. Rosenthal. Wrote it. Yep. Yeah, it was and brutally he, uh, honest, but it was it, it was, was right. Yep. Mikel Cairo, they were 10 and 4 with him at the helm. He's got a finger on the pulse. And you know what? Stubborn Tony LaRusa, did you step down? Do you listen to him? Nope. He's going to take your heart issues and sit in the hospital bed and, you know, if they go anywhere. So the White Sox aren't going to make it, though, either, are they? No, they're five and a half games out of the wild card. Baltimore's actually ahead of them, but Ooh, Baltimore's like five Baltimore. games behind Seattle. Yeah, but you know what's interesting, you know, talking about these playoff scenarios is the fact that the New York Yankees are still in, you know, they're they're still risky as far as the American League East is concerned because the Blue Jays are surging and the the American League East schedule going down the stretch is terrible. I know that I think the Yankees they have a little bit of a powder puff the last series, but I know that I think they have to play the Rays one more time. They have to play the Jays one more time. So it opens itself up for maybe the opportunity that they falter a little bit. But we know that Judge is playing better and some of the pitching has been a little bit better. But they got smoked in Milwaukee. I mean, that was the one yeah. that was kind of scary. That's what really kind of shrank the number for the best record in the American League for the Astros. But uh I think you're right in the sense that the American League East is going to be very well represented with the Yankees winning the division, supposedly, and then you have the Blue Jays and uh, Tampa Bay Rays in there. So there'll be three teams out of that East. 
Yeah, and the Orioles. I mean, the the parody there, and that was something I was going to mention about the NFL. I was trying to explain this some of we'll cover that at the end, maybe. But the parody in the American League East is fantastic. And I think it makes for better baseball. I mean, the Orioles, you know, mm-hmm. trading Mancini to the Astros, I mean, they're a good team. They're a good team that's not going to make the playoffs. And they would give a lot of people um pause for concern if they made it in to play somebody. I think um, the topic we were going to mention before, and we did start talking about the American League East what, that I brought up was um, somebody on Twitter, you mentioned I was more active on social media lately, but somebody said the Yankees collapse. It's like the worst collapse of all time. And I said, you know, maybe that's true and you need momentum going to the playoffs, but if they make the playoffs and then they win a couple series, I mean, it doesn't really matter, right? You got to get into the play-in game. Now, their record in the first half and their record in the second half don't look good. And I've said it before on this podcast, I feel like the teams that have momentum in the second half are the ones that, you know, end up doing well in the playoffs. The Braves seem to catch fire last year. They weren't great all year, but once they figured out their bullpen, you know, they were going to be a a force to deal with. So, yeah. So if the Yankees can figure it out here at the end, uh, I guess my point is if they don't, if they lose the division series or they don't win the American League East and they falter and they get knocked out early, then it's a collapse. If they get into the World Series this year or they get into the American League Championship Series against the Astros and have a you know five, six, seven game series, it's not an epic collapse. It's just you know, you know, dealing with injuries and you know maybe some more things to overcome. Do you agree with that no. or is that crazy? Well, I think everything needs to be put in context when you say that epic collapse. Like you're right, you could erase the epic collapse in the regular season, which should have been the uh, cl- you know the the clarifying comment because mm. the first half of the season, man, dude. I mean, even now, I mean, the national writers kill me in in Major League Baseball because John Heyman, Jeff Passan, all you know. Buster Olney, has anybody mentioned that the Astros won the West? Or is it, oh my God, Aaron Judge hit another home run. Oh my gosh, the the Yankees are going to win 140 games this year. You know, it just still feels like they're trying to compensate or cover up their lack of awareness in the first half by tweeting these things now and trying to make up for it. But if you look at it in the regular season, and you did split it up into two seasons as far as first half, second half. Yeah, that's a pretty good collapse. That's unbelievable that they were up by 30 games and were on pace to win 120 games. And now they're trying to win 92 games to win the East, and they're going to win the East by four or five games. I think that's that's a reasonable collapse or you know understanding of why this team isn't as good as they are. But to your point, if you do get to the postseason and you end up running the table and winning that World Series, guess what nobody talks about? Nobody talks about the regular season. They're going, oh, my gosh, you know, it was a rough, you know, we had to really battle through the regular season. But in the postseason, we showed up, and that's all that matters. And that's what everybody's going to say about the Astros. That's what everybody's going to say about the Mets, the Braves, the Dodgers. You know, that was the biggest knock on the Dodgers is being the Buffalo Bills of baseball, best regular season team. An extremely good postseason team, but a terrible World Series Super Bowl team. You know, what are you going to be remembered for is what you're creating right now in this atmosphere. And that's ultimately what happens if you win the World Series. It pretty much washes your hands of everything else you did until that point. Yeah. No, I think you make a good point. That's right. There is some context around each of those scenarios. And I mean, remember the Warriors beat the Bulls regular season record. They had been coming off a world uh, world championship and then they Patriots. lost. Patriots. Yeah, they lost. And right, the Patriots had 18-0 and 0 going into the Super Bowl. They lose. And, you know, 
I don't know if they get remembered for epic collapse, but they sure get remembered for being, you know, kind of the, the best, yeah, the best team, you know, the coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? You know? So, yeah. So, no. So, I think it, it, it's well it's well said. So, yeah, different perspective. But I do think the Yankees can totally redeem themselves, as, uh, as totally Lloyd Christmas yourself. would say. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself. <laughs> yeah, Lloyd and Harry. But anyway, so uh, I, I we digress as usual on here. But uh, you know, he, they can totally redeem themselves. But I do think that uh, anyway, I I do think that uh, mm-hmm. they're in trouble. I guess is the bottom line. I mean, and and then to your point about the Astros winning six in a row. I mean, we said this about the Dodgers the year they won whatever they won seven National League West championships in a row, and only had one. World Series championship to show for it. You go back to the Braves that you already mentioned when they were winning consistently but could only get one World Series championship. So, again, the top of the mountain is hard to get to, and you need to kind of have all your ducks in a row. It'll be really interesting to see. I still, as you said, the Blue Jays are surging. That was our pick. I think it's going to be Blue Jays, Dodgers. The Rays are always a tough out. Astros, Mm -hmm. Dodgers. I mean, it's going to, you know, those are the teams I think that we have to deal with. Yeah, man. Yeah. There's some really good teams. I think it's going to be a fun postseason because there are so many good teams out there. You know, you can't ever discount the St. Louis Cardinals, too, who have some just phenomenal players. Is Their bullpen's great, but can their starting pitching, you know, suppress opposing offenses in that National League? But uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that with uh, the yeah. season coming to a, to an end. I think there's about 16 games left to play, at least for the Astros and going down the stretch. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about that and try and unpack that a little bit. Um, you had some fun and you brought this up to me. Eli Manning had a cameo at Penn State. He did. So uh I I I should have shared the video with you before. Um Chad Powers. I don't know how I missed this. Yeah. It I think it I'm just pathetic. came out. Yeah, it just came out yesterday and you guys were winning the American League West again. So I mean, <laughs> that's the way it goes. You were all caught up in that. So Eli Manning uh met with James Franklin, the head coach of Penn State. Um, they discussed like you know, very similar to Texas A&M that we're all familiar with, the 12th man. Like, Penn State has two tryouts a year running back for as long as time is. They have a tryout in the spring and a tryout in the fall. You know, these ex-high school guys, some guys that are now, you know, blue-collar guys. There was a guy that was a plumber or something. And they actually run a full tryout. It looks like a combine. They gave him a jersey with their number on. And Eli Manning showed up, and James Franklin, the head coach, was the only one that knew that he was coming out. And he said, hey, why don't I think I can make the team. So he got a Hollywood like makeup artist to, you know, give him kind of a fake nose and long hair and a mustache. And he went to the tryout, which was like a combine. And it was, it was really funny. So I encourage all of our listeners to go listen to it, watch it. um, Tell me what you think about it. The other little part that we didn't talk about is, and a lot of schools do this, but these walk-on guys that actually stick around, very Rudy-esque, I guess, for the for lack of a better Rudy. word. Um, Rudy. Yeah, Rudy. So these guys walk on, and they're like, you know what? You're, you're a hustler. We want to keep you around. So some of these guys make the team, but then if they stay on the team for the next year, they give them a full scholarship. It's kind of a tradition. Dang. So they left Eli around after he had kind of, you know, 
they made fun of the fact that he was this guy who was slinging the ball around in this combine. <laughs> and that part is hilarious. I mean, he's talking to himself. He's mic'd up. He's like, come on, Chad, run fast, run fast. And he runs up five four nine forty, And the guy's like, <laughs> the guy's like, Get oh, that's not good. Time him. Yeah, but, and I know you and I have talked about this before. I mean, the old athlete dies hard. I mean, he's been doing these drills. They had him do footwork drills and start throwing the ball around. He was <laughs> slinging the football around. Six foot five, you know, not too far oh, out man, of his this prime. this guy play a little bit. That's exactly what was happening. It was great. But at the end, after he, you know, the big reveal, um, and they said he was out of eligibility, and as a matter of fact, he's, you know, not an amateur player. Um he uh, he was able to uh, step in front of the team, talk to them, gave them a motivational speech, and then called one of the guys up who had earned a, a walk-on, who had earned a scholarship, and they oh, all piled dang. on him. And so really, really heartfelt. I mean, we... We're struggling isn't the right word, but we love doing this podcast, but content is king. And it looks like Eli and Peyton don't have any trouble doing content after uh, after their playing days are over. Their Monday Night Football stuff is great. Some of the shorts they're doing, Peyton's commercials are always funny. His Saturday Night Live appearances. I mean, they're just, they're just killing the content and it's really funny. But Eli Manning's video, I think it's a 15-minute long video. I encourage everybody to go watch. Uh, Go watch it and check it out. No, it's pretty cool. Yeah, they have the resources and uh, to be able to do that kind of stuff so they can kind of maximize that. <laughs> uh, someday we'll get there, Tuttle. Just hang tight, man. We're battling our asses off. We'll get there someday. I promise. Yeah, maybe promise anything because well, I'm not no. that good. But <laughs> maybe you get me dressed up. I'm planning on coming out in the middle of October. Do a podcast, uh, yeah. St. Arnold Brewing Company, but maybe we get like some Hollywood artist makeup, and then we do a big reveal at the uh, at St. Arnold. I don't yeah, know. we got to watch the video what, first and check it out. Yeah, one thing I can do is get you a beer when you come out here. Definitely, St. Arnold to hook us up. You know what? Uh, that pretty much covers everything that we had on tap. And there's one thing I don't have a Blum's Blast, but there's something I wanted to hit on before we take off here in this podcast. And uh, we really didn't have time to go after it. There's been so much information out there that you can find it, but. The rule changes in MLB next year, in 2023, there's going to be a pitch clock, there's banning the shift, and the bases are going to be bigger, which I you know, I find kind of funny. It's going to be really interesting <laughs> to see what that looks like on the field. I think aesthetically, the field is going to, you know, you used to look at the beauty of the field and the dimensions and the uniqueness, and all of a sudden, you're going to have these massive white squares all over the field, which will be kind of interesting to look at, but... Give me your thoughts. I, I don't know if you have any just off the cuff. Just give me give fans an idea of how you feel about it. I've been very vocal about it on some of our broadcasts yeah. and other podcasts, but you know, give me an idea of how you feel about this because you're the pitcher. Obviously, there's one of these rules that's going to hyper affect pitchers that they're going to have to adjust to. Yeah, Blum, I appreciate that. And you know, let's we've talked about this at least off air, but let's do a separate podcast and go through each rule and how we think it's going to affect. So let's uh, we'll make sure that that happens so the fans get kind of deep thoughts from us about all these rule changes because you know I typically am the if it ain't broke don't fix it. I'm an anti. Uh, you were a traditionalist. I'm a I'm. You know, I try not to be a fundamentalist, traditionalist, whatever you want to call it. But you know, I don't love the 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 replaying strikes and things like that. So, so let's do a separate podcast on it. I will say, off the top of my head, there was a really nice article um, in the uh, Athletic talking about how the dimensions of the infield. It's a uh, there has never been a rule around the dirt and the grass mm -hmm. and all that. So, how is that going to come into play with the shift rule? The bigger bases remind me. I of, have an answer for that too. That's what's good. cool. 
when we when we when we were little kids, you oh, get the I, yellow. I asked whistle. a couple of people about that rule. There will be a rule. You're right, Tuttle. Yeah, they're going to have to change the rules just for this, yep. right? For the shift rule. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. When we were little kids, we had the yellow wiffle ball bat, right? That came with the little <laughs> ball on top. But but the Best bigger bases remind me of when you go to the, you're like, hey, we can't get the yellow one. You get the big red bat that has the big barrel and you're like, hey, I'm going to use this bat, like the clown bat. Like you're going to have clown yeah. bases. Like I, I just, you know, <laughs> these are, I must be a traditionalist because all of these things. And then the shift, I actually brought this up because last week we were joking whether we were anti the shift or pro the shift. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I think they should just go back to having nine guys. But I do think... We talked about this too. I, I mentioned it at my gym to some random baseball fans, and they were like, "Outlawing the shift is the dumbest thing we've ever heard." And <laughs> in, in football, if everybody knows you're going to run and they put everybody in the box, you pass. So I think it's upon the baseball uh, player, the hitter, and the individual. If I were a pitcher who we worked a lot on bunting, I would do great if they would put a solid shift mm-hmm. on me. Of course, they they wouldn't shift for me; they'd move in. But just, you know, I saw Rizzo do it one time. If the shift is over here, I would bunt and bat 400, right, until they started adjusting. And I think that's the solution there. So I don't love bigger bases, the clown bases. I don't love the fact that they're, you know, this is the old Republican versus uh, Republican versus Democrat. <laughs> do we want government intervention to tell us how to do what we need to do, or do we want to make you know let's police ourselves? <laughs> Baseball has always been very traditional in policing ourselves. Meaning, yeah, we hey, got Kim Jong Manfred coming in. Oh, we're that's do this. right. Hey, Kim Jong Manfred. I think you must have said that on a broadcast. You're ready. <laughs> so that was actually right. That was right. right now. S- so I think we're I think we're aligned in what we think about the rule changes. The uh the pitch clock. What about the pitch clock? Yeah. So you know, pitching isn't what slows down baseball. It's everything else. I mean, it's not the pitch clock. It's not the pitch clock. It's, you know, I mean, shit, the umpire we saw last week wouldn't even let the guy get his warm-up pitches after the oh, Did you that see that? Brutal. They threw yeah, him out. He's like, "You get no warm-up pitches." You're like, "Wait You're a out second. Of here. You're out of here." Yeah, it's here. like, "Hey, Phil, I was on Phil's side right there." I mean, Me Phil too. had the argument. Yeah, like, "Wait a second. They argue and now I can't warm up? I didn't do anything, you dummy." Yeah. Anyway, so so that's not what slows down baseball. Replay slows down baseball. The between innings slows. Let's speed up between innings. Get out there, get your five pitches. Let's not have a run the bases contest. Let's not have a this or that. Exactly. You know, tell me when to friggin' throw my pitch. You know, <laughs> the guy hits a home run. What's wrong? You go to the media after and go, hey, well, Tuttle. they sped me up. <laughs> hey, Tuttle, guess who likes the pitch clock? Uh, you? I do. Nice. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, which is great. Finally, we found something that will contradict. Yeah, so tell me what the benefit of the pitch clock is. It, it, I was not a believer in the pitch clock until I saw the data. When the data shows me that it shaves 25 minutes off the game, I have to believe that's good for the game. That's it. Do you get paid by the hour or by the game, Blummer? No, by I'm the kidding. game. Yeah, so and you're I, like, I've, I can function in a three and a half hour game. I can bring up all kinds of BS to talk about. Yeah. But if you tell me that if more fans are going to watch the game on a nightly basis because they know that they'll be home in two and a half hours, they'll be in bed at the right time, or I can go to a game and be home, I think that's what encourages people to get eyes on baseball. The one problem I do have is that none of this, none of these rules have anything to do with creating more contact. 
That's the problem with baseball, lack of contact. And it's because pitching is so damn good and swings are so damn bad. Should we go back to the era where Bob Gibson uh, was pitching and they just lowered the mound? Should we lower the mound and move it back and see what happens? I mean, now we'll see. I don't know, dude. Pitchers are freaking good. Oh, I agree. No, I mean, I agree. Averages, you know, guys that used to lead the batting average was like— Make yeah. the adjustment. Nobody's made the adjustment. There's been a handful of guys, and now we're going to ban the shift for Cody Bellinger and Joey Gallo and Corey Seager and these left-handed hitters. Come on, it still doesn't. It's still not going to make those guys make more contact. That's my nope. argument. Yeah, and and honestly, you know, when I was growing up, Tony Gwynn was flirting with like 370, and guys were like 340 and 330. You paid money to Wait. watch those guys hit. Absolutely. But Boggs and those guys were like 337, 340 at the end of the year. The leading batting average right now, I think, is 317, 316, somewhere in there. Aaron Judge. The and, league and average I, has gone down every year, and it's the lowest it's ever been right now. You're yeah, right. And, and I actually think this could be a whole other podcast, too. The reason now Miguel Cabrera, the most fantastic hitter of our generation, at least now, the reason he won the Triple Crown is because of that, because you don't have mm-hmm. these specialists yeah. anymore. I mean, Aaron Judge is two batting average points away from winning another Triple Crown. We haven't seen a Triple Crown in whatever, how long? In 50 years, 60 years? And then we see Miguel, Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera get had one. one. But I, yeah, that was that No, was that's a while what I'm back, saying. But you're right. Because the batting average is sunk down that, you know, the 320 yep. or a 310 can win. Yeah, right. Where Tony Gwynn wouldn't have let that happen. He's not a home oh, runner dude. average guy. He's 360, hitting 365 and the yeah. next guy's hitting 330. You're like, <laughs> yeah, you got no dude. chance. And so you, there was. I'm going to look that up. But it was probably 50 years before there was a triple crown and Miguel Cabrera got it. Yes, probably hitting 320 right. something, 325, 326. And I think point. that. But I think it's your point about I don't think I don't think speeding up the game is going to bring more fans in to your point. So this is where we agree on that. I don't think they should have a pitch clock if it's not going to if it's not going to accomplish the task that you set forth, which is hey, more eyes on the game. Now for you Ball as a play. broadcaster and getting everybody back home, that's you know, hey, I'm going to be in bed by 10 o'clock. It's going to make that's it's going to make our broadcast tougher. Because I, I broadcast for a team that is good, eyes are on this team, and our elements and our advertising and our promo, it's out of control. For us to yeah. cram that into a two-and-a-half-hour game is going to be monumental task every single night. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I started, since yeah. we've done this podcast, paying attention to the you know the production value. And it's annoying. Mm-hmm. I listen exactly. to a little, uh, yes. I li- you know, the MD Anderson strike zone and the, you know, hey, we're back from here and the mattress guy and the, hey, this is the sponsored by so-and-so and the the call to the bullpen sponsored by Speedy Jiffy Lube or whatever. You're like, all right. Yep. I mean, it's, it's everything. And in a smaller, like you said, condensed space, if they're charging more for those advertising dollars, Man. you got to fit it all in. I, I listened to Kevin Harlan last night. Uh, my daughter had soccer practice, so I was listening to some Monday Night Football, and he and Kurt Warner do a great job, but good grief. This is a national broadcast sponsored by the NFL, and they were like, they're in the blah, blah, blah red zone, and you know that interception sponsored by you <laughs> yeah, know Sticky Fingers like, Wings, and you're like, oh my God, Like Kevin Harlan is like one of the best voices. You know, and it's it's ridiculous. So they're already doing that at the national level, and now they're going to bring it down to your your level. So, and this podcast sponsored by uh, St. Arnold Brewing Company. So there you go. Thanks, everyone. And Ram shirts. <laughs> go to CrushingTees.com and get your swag. That's right. We're going to start wearing. Wait, yeah. Do we have a? You know, <laughs> we found him. There he is. Yes. Yeah. There he is. Anyway, Margo. so I think that's 
that we're gonna we're gonna bring it home with that. But uh, anyway, yes, everything's sponsored these days. We should do a separate podcast about these rule changes. I'd, we'd love to hear what you guys think about the rule changes because we're pretty traditional fundamentalist, uh, staunch whatever writers of the Declaration. I don't know what you want to call us, but uh, bring you know bring another perspective. What will you do as a fan if they have a pitch clock and they speed up the games? Is that more important than you know playing good baseball? I don't know. So. Anyway, thanks for listening yeah. to the podcast. We want to uh, give a shout out to uh, our first responders, our military. Uh, I guess police and fire are always covered in first responders, but you know, yeah. I feel like it's good you to shout them to, out. Yeah, it's good to you know give the redundancy there. Um, but we really appreciate everyone that um, provides safety and uh, the umbrella of freedom for us to do the podcast. Healthcare workers, teachers, we appreciate you. And as always, uh, if you're over the age of 45, please don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. Blummer. Get after it and believe it. Even from Tampa. Yeah, from butt Tampa. And Ram shirts. Go to crushedetees.com and get your swag.